welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. What I thought to do was just to share a one-off message in this lead up to Christmas. And I've simply entitled it, Don't Let Christmas Make a Turkey Out of You. Don't let Christmas make a turkey out of you. And I want to read from uh, the book of Galatians this morning. And what you need to understand about Galatians, in particular chapters 3 and 4, is that it is some of Paul's strongest writings. If you're going to do life with people, then you can't just all be fun and games. Paul was a man who knew how to have fun. Paul was a man who knew how to encourage people. He was a man who knew how to strengthen people and disciple people. But part of that process is in sharing some tough things, some hard things. And uh, these chapters, chapters 3 and 4 in particular of Galatians, are probably some of the strongest things that Paul ever wrote. And um, the reason he did that is because there were opponents to that which he was teaching. And uh, Paul didn't want to just sit by idly and let these naysayers and these opponents undo the great work that Paul had seen God doing in the church in that region. And so they were proposing something else other than grace. They were adding to the message of salvation things that were not important, things that were erroneous. And Paul got quite agitated at these uh, opponents to the gospel and how it had affected and influenced this particular church in this particular region. And so he wasn't about to sit by and just let it happen. And in Galatians chapter 1, oh, sorry, chapter 3, In verse 1, Paul starts with these words. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I mean, you know, Merry Christmas, everybody. I mean, come on. I mean, these are strong words. Paul is not mixing his words here. He's saying, who has bewitched you? The word bewitched means to cast a spell upon you, to take control over you. Who has done this in your life? Who remembers back in the day a TV series called Bewitched? Do you remember that? And the two main players were Samantha and Darren. Samantha and Darren Stevens. And Samantha was a witch and Darren was a mere mortal. And they fell in love and got married, much to the disgust of Samantha's mother, Endora. Remember her? And Endora hated Darren. She had no time for him. And often she would be casting spells upon Darren. And so Darren would end up doing stupid things and saying stupid things and becoming stupid things because of the spell that he had been placed upon him. He'd been bewitched. And so how he would normally act went by the wayside because of this spell that had been cast on him. 
Do you remember this movie, the series? And this is what basically Paul is saying here to the Galatian church. He's saying that someone has put a spell on you. Someone has cast a spell on you and as a result, you've turned into a bunch of fools. You're doing foolish things, things you never used to do, but now you're doing foolish things. The word foolish simply means to be spiritually dull. And basically the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, this good news had been turned into a list of rules and regulations. Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5, he says, where's all your joy gone? Remember the days when you used to have fun. Where's that joy gone? And so they'd had a a spell cast on them. And as I've mentioned before, Paul wasn't just going to sit by and let that happen. And so he set out to remind them of what he had spoken to them in the very beginning. He talked about how Christ was crucified. He said, remember when you received the Holy Spirit? He said, remember the miracles that you experienced? He took them back to the beginning. He took them back to the place where they first got saved. In other words, he wanted to remind them of what their Christianity was all about. And that's really what I want to do this morning is to remind us of what Christmas is really all about, what the reason for the season is. Otherwise, and I fear this, we're going to have a spell cast on us and we're going to do some foolish things this Christmas. We're going to do some things this Christmas that are very much non-Christian because we are just keeping up with all of the trappings that is Christmas in 2012. Christmas is commonly known as the silly season, and the word silly simply means lacking good sense. It means foolish or stupid. It's when we let go of our, or give in to our impulses, to the commercialism, and all the other expectations. And so I want to look at some things really practically to help us through this Christmas season this year. And so instead of being bewitched this Christmas... I want us to firstly be wise. Not bewitched, but be wise. You see, there's far too many people that come under immense pressure and stress at this time of year just in order to look generous and successful. And so they're going to buy things and do things and put on certain things in order to look good in the here and now, in order to have some instant gratification but long-term pain, they're going to just give way to common sense. The thing about common sense is it's not that common. And so this Christmas, I want you to be wise. And so don't overspend this Christmas. Set yourselves a budget. I want you to think about everything you need to buy, coupled with the food and the decorations and everything else. Set yourself a budget. And don't spend any more than that budget. Don't use credit cards and payment plans to buy things. Have a shopping list. All these things I feel silly in mentioning, but I know there's going to be a lot of people regretting Christmas 2012 come January 2013. Because we weren't wise. We need to be wise. 
And I want you to be wise this Christmas. We need to talk about our financial position and situation. If you are married, you need to have that conversation, that awkward conversation. Hey, business hasn't been as good this year. We don't have as much money as we did last year. If that's your reality, then, then the gifts that you buy should reflect the year that you've had. Instead of just putting yourselves under incredible pressure just to match and outdo what you did last year. You've got to be wise. You may want to suggest a one-gift policy. Now again, these are just suggestions. This is not the word of the Lord to you. But I want to say that in 18 years of ministry, we've had our fair share of conversations with people who have got themselves in a trouble because they didn't adhere to these basic, practical, simple pieces of advice. You know, in our family, we've got three kids, but I've also got two brothers. Baz has got three kids. Pete's got 2,700 kids. He's got kids coming they're just, they're everywhere. And uh, one of them's on the front row here. And we just figured a long time ago, instead of buying a whole heap of junk for a whole heap of kids, let's just have a one-gift policy. And let's just buy one of our kids an incredible present, as opposed to having to buy all these nephews and nieces and aunties and uncles, really, a whole heap of rubbish. Again, that's not a word of the Lord, but again, if you're struggling financially, it's not a bad idea. Put a spending limit to it. Teach your kids the value of money. You know, if your kids want something that's quite expensive, it doesn't mean you as a parent have to buy it. <laughs> just, put, just write that down, parents. You don't have to buy it just because your kid wants it. I mean, how many of you said, God, I want this, God, I want that, and you didn't get it? That's because God's a good father. I've been around long enough now to know that, uh, and to thank God that he didn't answer all my prayers with a yes. I thank God that God did not answer all my prayers with okay then but he held his line. And we as parents need to hold our line and teach our kids the value of money. And so if they want an expensive gift, we might be able to contribute to it. But also we may have to go in together with, it, with the extended family. Good. It could be that they contribute some of their own money towards that gift as well. Far better that than ruining ruin January 2013. So this Christmas, do not be bewitched, but be wise. Secondly, be clear. Be clear. In particular, it comes to your communication. Don't assume anything, but have conversations of clarity. This is what often happens around Christmas or whenever friends or family are involved. It's Jan just imagine for a moment, it's December 25, and what time do you want us to come for dinner? And the answer is, oh, anytime, whenever you're ready. And so you take that quite literally. And so you're having a great time with your other side of the family, the fun side of the island. There's always two sides to every family. There's the fun side, and then there's the ones you do at dinner time. You just don't really want to. Anyway. <laughs> and so you're having a great time with your family at lunch, and you think, oh, we must be getting on to 
the other rallies or the other friends, but we're having such a great time. And they did say, anytime you're ready. And so your lunch goes into afternoon tea, which goes into kind of dinner time. It doesn't matter because they said, anytime you're ready. And right now we're not ready to leave. And so what happens, you finally say your goodbyes. It's got to eight o'clock at night, but that's okay because you said anytime I'm ready. Didn't they? And so then you rock up and you knock on the door. Merry Christmas! But it's not so merry on the inside. Because there wasn't a conversation of clarity. Because when they said, come anytime you want, whenever you're ready, they actually didn't mean that. We have to learn to say what we mean and mean what we say. If in your mind, when you said anytime you're ready, if you really meant six o'clock, say, I need you here at six o'clock. If you didn't say six o'clock, I want to tell you, if they come around at eight o'clock, nine o'clock or 10 o'clock, they are not late because you said anytime you are ready. And anytime you are ready means anytime I'm ready. We can have ourselves a very merry Christmas if we would have ourselves some conversations of, of clarity. We've got to get clear about our conversations. Otherwise, we're going to get into trouble, particularly when dealing with extended family and friends, because you're not always going to be able to please everyone. And I want to say, don't allow yourselves to be bewitched or emotionally manipulated when it comes to your extended family and friends. And so if you can't make it for a certain time, and they said, if you loved us, you'd be there at that time. Don't allow yourselves. Be clear what you can do and what you can't do this year. It may not go well, but nonetheless, be gracious, be kind, but be clear about what you can and what you cannot do this year. Otherwise, we end up having those conversations that get muddy. I remember watching an episode of Modern Family. I'm not suggesting you do that, but I just happened to catch a bit of an episode once upon a time, which is also another TV program, so I'm not suggesting you watch either. But in this particular episode of Modern Family, there was a guy who had the opportunity to sack his brother-in-law, but he was really nervous about it, and he did a really bad job. And by the time he'd finished sacking, inverted commas, his brother-in-law... His brother-in-law thought he'd got a promotion. <laughs> How many of you have ever had that conversation where you thought you said one thing, but they heard it so different? Having watched the episode of Modern Family, it was more to do with Phil's inability to communicate clearly what he was trying to say than his brother-in-law misinterpreting it. So have conversations of clarity. So be clear. Thirdly, be realistic. We talk about not being bewitched this Christmas. Be realistic. Be realistic about your expectations. Here's just a pearl of wisdom for you. If your family does not get on very well the whole year, if that's the case, there's a good chance. No, 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 no. There's a very good chance. In actual fact, it's more than likely that you're not going to get on together on the 25th of December. It never ceases to amaze me that we have problems with family members the whole year. And then we expect, come December 25, it will be okay because it's Christmas. 
And all of a sudden, this, this magical thing called the spirit of Christmas will just come down and just resurrect what would normally be a disastrous time together. If you have disastrous times together prior to Christmas, it'll probably be disastrous on Christmas. So I would say be realistic. And you can reduce the conflict by being prepared. I know my wife had a conversation with an extended member of the family and she was all upset because, you know, <laughs> Christmas is all about family. And because we weren't able to fit into what she was hoping we was able to fit into, she got all upset. And I'm thinking to myself, since when is Christmas all about family? I thought Christmas was about Jesus, actually. And so we've got to be realistic. And there's some things we can do just to prepare ourselves. And that is just don't expect it to be so great if it hasn't been that great before. Just lower your expectations if that's the case. And if the conversation is difficult and awkward and there's lots of moments of silence... That's why God invented the game of cricket. Don't sit around the table with your party hat on, just staring at each other. Just say, anyone for a game of cricket? I'm telling you, even those that hate cricket will say, yep, let's play cricket. Aunt Flo will get out of her wheelchair and she'll bowl a few just, just to alleviate the awkwardness that has been created by this time where we must get together because it's all about family. Number four, be flexible. Be flexible. Assess your family traditions. You know, as the family dynamics change, so too will the traditions. You know, when you're a small family and you grew up with mum cooked, you know, the, the, the roast dinner, and as the family grows, to put that expectation on her that mum still has to cook the roast now that the family's numbering 20, 30, 40, 50 people, including all the extended family, it's just really unfair. Yeah. But mum's always done it. Yeah, but mum's getting older and she's getting tired and the family's getting bigger. How about we give mum a break? Yeah. But it's tradition. Your tradition is killing your mother. Let me tell you that. <laughs> and who says it has to be a roast? Because it's always been a roast. But it doesn't have to be. Just because it's always been doesn't mean it has to be. I think it's so sad when you go around your family's home to spend time with the family, but you never see certain members of the family because they're always in the kitchen preparing and you never see them. I reckon it would be much better to have jam sandwiches and spend time with the family. The times I've left places and I said, thanks for coming over. Thanks for coming over. I never saw you. <laughs> I never saw you. And they're stressed out and they're worried. And they're, oh, I don't want to buy oh, oh, this guy. Buy a couple of chickens. Yeah. <laughs> Get a bit of, a few chips. Whatever. Again, this is not thus saith the Lord stuff, but much better chicken and chips 
than the stress and the hassle and, and having absent members because they're just in the kitchen all the time. I've said this many times before, but when we were young and growing up, my mum and dad, they immigrated from the UK and Christmas was really easy in the Rainbow household. You know, we had no aunties, no aunt, uncles. We had no grandparents. We never had any extended family. It was mum, dad, and then the three boys came along. And organising Christmas Day was real simple. We didn't have to think of anybody. It was, what are we going to do on Christmas Day? I've got an idea. How about we meet at 12 Carroll Drive, Power Hills? That, that was it. That's what we did. But as we grew older and girlfriends, and then wives, and then our kids came along. It wasn't as easy to organize Christmas Day. And so we had to make adjustments to what we'd always done. And while we try our best to see each other as a family on the 25th of December, it doesn't always work out that way. And the cool thing is, we're really cool about it. Because the family dynamic has changed. It doesn't mean we love each other any less. It just means we've got bigger. And that thought would be really good to overlay when this church continues to grow and grow and grow. What we used to be able to do, we won't always be able to do. Because that's what takes place when growth happens. And so what we do, we create new traditions. And so be flexible this Christmas. Number five, be thoughtful. In other words, think of others. If someone did have a conversation of clarity and said six o'clock, be there just a little bit before. Being late is rude because you're saying that my time is more important than your time. So don't be late. And you won't be if you start thinking of others. The reason we're late is because we just don't think of anyone else other than ourselves. So be thoughtful. Think of others. Once you've had a great meal around mum, dads, aunties, uncles, wherever it may be, how about this for a thought? You offer to clean up. How about that? Just, just do something for the family that's opened up their home and cooked and cleaned and done everything for you in preparation for that time. Instead of just sitting there, take, 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 and then leave, hoping that your present was bigger than the one you gave. So we must be people that think of others. Can I say this? If you have children, take responsibility for your kids. Clean up their mess. Chairs are for sitting on, not running on. I mean, I, I, I love our origin coffee bar. I do. And I love the fact that we get to open it up to the community. I do. And I, I thank God that it's so fantastic that we get to see all these kids come in. It's awesome. But when you've got a massive U-Butte playground to play on, it never ceases to amaze me slash frustrate me that the kids find it more fun running on our furniture than playing in the playground. I don't get that. I want to throttle some kids. 
And at that moment, I wish that parents would take responsibility for their kids. Kids running on couches is not cute. Oh, it's cute. No, it's not. Ask anyone who's not the parent of that kid. It's not cute. Number six, be happy. God loves a cheerful giver. Whatever you give, whatever you do, can I suggest that you just be happy about it? Don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. If you don't want to give, don't give. If you don't want to go, don't go. But don't go with a miserable face and a miserable attitude. Don't spend your money and be stingy. Don't compete with your family and try to outdo them. Be that with gifts of a greater expense. I spent more. Or trying to get gifts that cost more than you actually spent on them. Which is also a little game a lot of people play. Go Christmas hunting in the bargains to be able to hopefully get a gift that is more expensive than the one I spent on them. It's the wrong attitude. It's not the spirit of Christmas. So be happy this Christmas. Number seven, be consistent. God's priority needs to be our priorities. There'll be lots of things vying for your time and attention this Christmas. And we should not let things slip just because it's a Christmas period. Be that our church attendance, be that serving, volunteering, giving, our personal devotional time. Because remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. And can I say this? In keeping with being consistent, be an example. I'm not here to get into a debate whether you should drink alcohol or not, but the Bible is very clear, do not get drunk. And we can undo everything that we say just by the example that we lead. And so someone brings out a bottle of beer, someone builds out a bottle of wine, and you just you know, have one with them. I'm not here to judge you, that's fine. But there's a difference between one bottle, two glasses, or ten glasses, or ten bottles. We've got to be an example. We've got to be consistent. The biggest issue that most of the world have with church and Christianity is the hypocrisy. That we say one thing, but we do another. We go to church, but we don't live any different than anybody else that doesn't go to church. That's the confusing issue in the hearts and minds of people. And we have an opportunity to break down the confusion by being consistent and being an example this Christmas. And my last point this morning, and I want Kathy to come and help me with this, is simply this. Be effective. Be effective this Christmas. John chapter 3, verse 16, which is probably one of the most well-known verses in the whole entire Bible. It simply says that God so loved. He so loved the world that he gave. That's the spirit of Christmas, God giving. But he loved the whole world. I want you to think about that just for a minute. 
God loving the whole world. That's six and a half billion people. That's a big number. That's a lot of people. Some people have this notion that God is not interested in numbers, just quality. Now, God's interested in numbers. He loves all the world, all six and a half billion people. As a church, we should be interested in numbers because God is interested in numbers. Because every number represents a name. And every name has a story. And every story matters to God. On one occasion, Jesus was walking the earth and just doing his thing. And there's this large crowd, lots of people, big numbers. And there was one man in the crowd. And he starts shouting out, Jesus, Jesus. People look at him, say, quiet. Be quiet. But the Bible says that this man in the crowd, He shouts all the more, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Man in the crowd shouting at the top of his voice, what's Jesus going to do? Is Jesus going to be like everybody else and just ignore the man? Tell him to shut up, be quiet. Now Jesus is not like everyone else. He's this man's man. And even in the midst of the crowd, he's looking for the one. Because every number has a name. And Jesus goes up to this one in the crowd. Finds out the man's name. His name's Bartimaeus. Jesus said, do you mind if I call you Bart? He said, that's fine. (laughs) All these people. And Jesus is interested in the one in the crowd. Numbers matter to God. We want to see this place packed tonight. We want to see people just having to stand because there is no room to sit. Because numbers matter to God because every number represents a name. Jesus did not turn Bartimaeus away. He didn't listen to all those who said, be quiet. He didn't listen to those who said, we're happy with church just the way it is. His attention and his heart was drawn to this one in the crowd. Finds out his name. His name's Bartimaeus. Every number matters because every number has a name. And every name has a story. Jesus gets talking to this man. He says, tell me your story. And Bartimaeus says, well, I've been born blind. And they start having a dialogue about his life. I think there were things that were not recorded that were spoken that day. I think Jesus might have asked him a whole heap of other questions that haven't been recorded. And how do you feel about that, Bart? 
Have people treated you as a result of that? How did you get by? What have you been doing for the last X amount of years? Because Jesus is not interested in just the crowd for crowd's sake. He's not interested in the superficial. He wants real. He wants reality. And so he finds out this man's name is Bart. He finds out his story that he's blind. And because this story matters to God, Jesus has incredible opportunity and privilege of getting involved in his world and bringing healing. That privilege, that opportunity is ours. To get involved in people's world. And when you get involved in people's world, it always gets messy. But far better it get messy and have reality than night, nice, neat, tidy, superficial religion. Where we go to church in our Sunday bests with no desire to change whatsoever, that we can tick that box and get on with our life. Numbers matter to God. When's the last time that someone came to church because of you? When's the last time we used our mouth to invite someone to church? Let me ask you another question. When's the last time we used our mouth to run somebody down in church or to criticize somebody? That's not the spirit of Christmas. That's not the spirit of Christianity. We have been bewitched, people. We've got opinions about everything. But the one thing Jesus wants us to be involved in is people. He wants us to get intrinsically involved in people's lives. Church would not exist if it wasn't for people. And we have this incredible opportunity this year to be incredible examples and be incredibly effective. But we've got to lift our eyes. We've got to shake ourselves free from the spell that gets put on us at this time. The commercialism, the what you must have, the what you must do, the what you must go, what you must wear, what you must buy. This is Christianity. This is the spirit of Christmas. Anything less is to be bewitched. Anything less is to be duped and hoodwinked. Anything less is to settle for less than what God intended. I'm going to leave you with this charge. Invite someone to church tonight. It's going to be incredible. It is amazing. We have some incredible talent. We have people working tirelessly to make a production happen tonight that you will not be embarrassed about. I mean, God forbid those, those days where we put on church productions and we felt obliged to have to go. That is not going to happen tonight. There's been a lot of effort and a lot of work gone into making tonight happen so that this can be a safe place 
for you to invite your family and friends that are far from God. Because they're not just a number to God. They have a name. They have a story. And that story matters to God. And I believe, coupled with the presence of God tonight and their presence being here, can open up a door, a whole new world. And they can receive the best gift this Christmas. But we're just going to have to break free from the spell that we find ourselves under. The critical, cynical, jealous, hurt, bitter, confused spell that we find ourselves under. And start living a life as Jesus intended us to live. With people in mind. For God so loved the whole world. That includes your family, your friends, here's a thought, your enemies. When's the last time we prayed for our enemies? The Bible says to. Well, I'm not going to pray for my enemies because we're under a spell. If we can get out of that and start doing what the Bible says, we'll pray again for our enemies, pray for our leaders. I'm going to be honest with you. I love Christmas and I hate Christmas. I love it, but I hate a lot of what goes with it. And probably the thing I hate what goes with it is the way Christians get reduced to something less than what God intended. Will you please stand with me this morning? If our band can come, that'd be great. Thanks, Mim. Life is good. People are beautiful. But you don't know what they did to me, so it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. People are beautiful. If you lose sight of the fact that people are beautiful, you've lost sight of the fact, period. God is great. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have to turn people away tonight? Because we as a people have heard the word, embraced the word, applied the word, and continue to do what God has called us to do. Hey, don't get me wrong. This is a great church. I love it. We have great times together. We really do. But it is the beginning of the end when we just sit back and relax and say, look what we've done. Look how good it is. I believe 2012 has been our best year ever. But I believe with all my heart, 2013 will be the best year ever. I really do believe that. And I pray for you all this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for the way you speak to us in very real ways. And I pray that you just take this message today just to help us stay on point and on track. 
for those who are living this way, fantastic. Those who have to make minor adjustments, help them, Lord. For those who have to make major adjustments, help them. But may we make the change nonetheless. I ask that this morning in your precious name. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.